All right, here we are, episode six, back with Josh and Mike, the professor and the big scary guy, Josh. I'm Ray yep. Dietrich. What's up? What's up? What's up? What up? What up? So today we have a topic. We have a topic, ladies and gentlemen, right? Like Popular a little bit topic. different game. Like I'm the average guy. I'm like the general population dude here with, here with the, uh, the science guys who know what they're doing. I'm the amateur kind of just following blindly um, these guys, what they tell me to do. So I am always like hitting up Josh and Mike and asking questions like, what do you think about this? Because I'll hear something on a podcast or I'll read an article or I'll be in my fitness pal and a stupid blog post pops up. Like there is so much nonsense out there. So I have clear questions for you guys today. And we are going to talk about intermittent fasting, fasted cardio, all the rage that, and look, man, um, you're going to have to like, I've seen the science. I've seen some of the articles you guys have dropped. So I kind of know where this is probably going to go, mm-hmm. but I'm going to ask regular guy questions because if, if I'm not sitting here talking to people who, who are educated on this factor, everyone else is on board, right? Is that sure. say it's like, it's like a trend, like people all over the place are all over this thing. So let's start with this. Like what is IF? Is it, is that exactly, you hear fasted cardio as a term all the time. So is that one and the same and what is intermittent fasting and how does it work? So whoever wants to tackle that, or if you want to do it as a group, let's start. We can do it as a group. So intermittent fasting obviously is you're giving yourself a, 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 to, to break it down very simple. You're giving yourself usually from what I've seen, um, an eight hour window of eating your calories a day. So it's a 16 hour fast with an eight hour window to eat your calories, right? Some people are doing noon to eight. Some people are doing 10 to six, but the concept is you get a certain amount of time to eat your calories. And you'll hear people say it has a hormonal benefit. It has a digestion benefit. Um, Dude, I read an article uh, before this podcast that was talking about cancer and IF. I'm just like, you guys are... Yeah, sure, right. Um, And the concept is that it has all these health benefits. Uh, You get the health benefits of fasting. You get the health benefits of um, hormonal balance, digestion, all kinds of stuff like that. That's my 1.0 explanation. Um, Mike probably can get into the science of what people are actually saying intermittent fasting is supposed to do or what it does or what it doesn't do. So he can probably add on top of that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, intermittent fasting is just basically a time restricted form of eating. And so for the folks who aren't familiar with it, as Josh mentioned, there's these eating windows. Most people do like 16 and eight, 16 fasted, eight fed. Other people do 20 and four. Um, and they close that eating window down a little bit. Some of the idea um, is that it increases dietary adherence for some folks. And so if they tend to overeat at breakfast mm-hmm. or they just tend to be the type of people who say, you know, it's all or nothing. If I don't have a good meal at breakfast and the day doesn't start out well, you know, whatever, screw it. Uh, I'm just not even going to do anything with regards to nutrition today. So if they eliminate that first meal, it kind of gives them a little bit more time um, to prepare and have a healthier lunch and then carry on that snowball effect throughout the day and from a productivity standpoint a lot of people say well I feel better mentally when I don't eat breakfast first thing in the morning I'm more productive at work and while this can be true it's kind of a double-edged sword because 
when you first wake up in the morning, you naturally have a peak in this hormone called cortisol. And cortisol and melatonin are basically inversely proportional. So at night, melatonin is nice and high, cortisol is nice and low, and you fall asleep. In the morning, though, those flip-flop. And so cortisol goes up to wake you up and melatonin comes down. So what happens is typically when cortisol is nice and high in the morning, it'll start to slowly come down throughout the day. But insulin, i.e. what gets released when you consume a carbohydrate or something like whey protein, um, that has a very anti-catabolic effect. And so that can actually help to bring down cortisol a little bit. So in terms of the good side of that, cortisol is very, very helpful for giving you that like tunnel vision. I got to stay focused, fight or flight, sympathetic side of the equation. So you get very productive and you get very honed in on what you're doing. However, if somebody's already stressed out and underslept on the other side of the equation, and then you add on top of that something like intermittent fasting and say, well, just don't eat your first meal, push all your calories back until lunchtime. Then they say, wow, I feel great mentally. But then as soon as I eat lunch around two o'clock or three o'clock, I get this huge dip in energy and I feel like I want to take a nap right after I eat. What's the deal with that? Uh Well, for one thing, now you've just shifted yourself back to a parasympathetic state. And anytime we eat, naturally that should occur. But the fact is you've been running, you know, your RPMs all the way up in, in the red zone for the first half of the day. And now you've shifted back into parasympathetic where you should be cruising along for most of the day, unless you're working out or, you know, you just got cut off in traffic or something like that. So um, it kind of feeds into that normal American lifestyle of being overstressed, um, but highly productive at the same time. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword and you have to be careful, which is where some coaches run into issues, just assuming, hey, all my clients can go through this intermittent fasting window. We're going to push all the square pegs through a round hole. Yeah. And that's definitely not the case, especially when you have, um, you know, females, for example, if they're already dealing with hormonal issues, um, menstrual issues, um, any sort of other, you know, endocrine side effects of uh, their lifestyle or perhaps too much training or too little sleep or a combination of all these. Um, it's something called the female athlete triad. And so that's just basically where a female will experience changes in her bone mineral density, uh, her menses, and then also um, kind of her metabolic status. And so we have this huge um, kind of conundrum going on all at the same time. And that's where intermittent fasting is a little bit more precarious, especially for a female population. Well, I, I agree. Hey, that is why we call you the professor. And I love that answer. Thank you. No, and, and well, that, you bring up a really good point. So we get a lot of anecdotal evidence or who's the big jacked up dude that went all over the place. Big, huge jacked up black dude that moves like a robot. He's a big, funny guy. God dang it. I can't remember. I should have done my research. But you get a guy like him who's big and jacked up and he goes on Larry King Live and talks about intermittent fasting makes me feel. Terry Crews. Yes. Terry Crews, phenomenal dude, hilarious. Yeah. Probably don't want to take my nutrition advice from him. Genetic. Well, I mean, <laughs> right? and, and you know, if, if if you're a Joe Rogan podcast fan, everyone on there is is on that train, and they talk about it almost every episode. So for someone like me, I'm just like, Joe knows his shit. Usually in 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 nutrition, he's got pro fighters on there every other day. So it's like, okay, well, what what is this all about, right? But it kind of sounds like from what Mike's saying. It's the whole, I, I want to skip lunch because it makes me feel like shit is probably because your, your food is terrible. Well, it, here's what happens. You get, <laughs> you get, you get people say, wait, I have a hard time eating breakfast. You mean I can sleep in 30 minutes later and not have to eat breakfast and get healthy? I'm in. <laughs> right? So it appeals to their, I don't have to eat breakfast. Right? Then you see Terry Crews. He loves it. But here's what happens. I got an instant message from a girl who said, hey, 
I'm, I have hypothyroidism. I want to do low carb and get on intermittent fasting because I heard it can help me have energy. And I'm like, pump the brakes, right? You're like, you're like, whoa, this is not, you know, I read on, I, I read on a podcast that somebody did intermittent fasting and they feel great. Now that leads to somebody's desperation, right? She's probably overweight, thyroid shot. She's desperate to feel better. Right. And then she, and then she hears somebody did low carb and intermittent fasting and they have energy. And then she goes, well, I have low energy. I'm going to do the problem, right? Like the problem is, is food, sleep, movement. And then they, they want to go to IF, like, just like to fix it all. It kind of seems like that's the trend. It's like, Oh, latch onto the fad. Forget about the building blocks. Sure. And here's what I get. I get people. What's the macronutrient. Everybody has a hard time in our group getting protein. Protein. Because you got, you got to figure it out. Right. But you hear people like there's a woman that needed 130 grams of protein. She's doing intermittent fasting. At the end of the day, she has 80. Don't intermittent fast. Don't intermittent fast. You don't have enough time to get your like you're Make not- Ray a coach. Make Ray a coach. He's <laughs> figuring it out. Yeah. Ray just figured it out. Don't do it. Don't, don't. You know, if you're not getting your calories in, then why are you doing time-restricted dieting? Right. Then naturally, I think people with intermittent fast, they can't eat enough to get their calories in. So they're in a natural caloric deficit. Mike, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, if the foundation is just total calories for weight gain and weight loss, if somebody's main goal is to lose weight um, and they're not hitting the protein intake, that's, you know, the foundation that absolutely we always have to return to that. And the other thing that people like to use intermittent fasting for is almost a confirmation bias for their crappy lifestyle. So yes, (laughs) if if you're going to bed super late, and then you're having a tough time waking up in the morning because you're a slow starter and then you want to slam you know a double venti espresso from starbucks and just skip breakfast because you don't have time because you can't get out of bed in the morning well then we got to roll back about 16 hours prior to what you did before you went to sleep what time you went to sleep and then why you can't get up early in the morning to kind of get that snowball effect started so as i've mentioned in another video in the group really setting yourself up for sleep at night really starts the first thing you do in the morning. And so that's really where the whole cascade starts. So with intermittent fasting, um, that can either aid in or reduce your ability to allow that snowball to form. So a lot of people also find with intermittent fasting, they like to jump on the longevity train. And that's kind of what you mentioned with the cancer research, where there is some very small, um, window of research coming out showing that there may be some beneficial adaptations to intermittent fasting through something called apoptosis. And basically what apoptosis is, it's basically your immune system's way of looking at all the cells in your body and then tagging ones that they're like, nope, that one looks a little funny. That one's mutating. We're going to tag it and it's just basically self-programmed cell death. So the cell ruptures and pops and then your body eliminates the threat, so to speak. And so during a period of fasting, apoptosis increases. And so the idea is that it's almost your body's um, cellular repair mechanism where it kind of goes around, you know, dusts the corners, sweeps the floors, cleans out all that cellular debris, so to speak. And that's a little bit higher during fasting. However, all of that research has not been conducted in humans. So the important thing to remember- Oh, so it's in rats. Okay, gotcha. Some of it's in monkeys, actually. And that, that's the whole thing. Like, I'm going to lead in my next question here, but it, it, what I'm hearing is 
and correct me if I'm wrong, but if, if you have all of your things worked out, like your food, your sleep, your, your exercise, everything's on a good keel, there might be for some people a good use for IF. Right? But, Is that fair? Maybe, maybe. But maybe. here's the thing that people forget with intermittent fasting. If you are doing everything else that we've already discussed in the group. So when I talk about sleep, I always tell people, hey, if you can push your last meal about an hour and a half to two hours before you go to bed. Now, if most people are also following the sleep recommendations, what we're going to find is that most people are probably eating around 8 to 7.30 as their last meal, and then they're going to bed around 10 or 10.30. If you're sleeping till even 6 or 7, now we've essentially dropped in a 12 to a 13-hour fasting window automatically every single day. Right. So right. it's not like intermittent fasting has, you know, all of a sudden come out of nowhere and we've never done it before. People are intrinsically doing this. If you talk to, like, when I talk to my grandparents or even, you know, some older folks, you know, any elderly people, most of them eat dinner at five o'clock and then don't eat breakfast until seven or 8 a.m. the very next day. Right. We'll figure it out. That's basically the same fasting window as what people are doing with intermittent fasting now. But as a society, we slowly pushed eating back later and later and later. Now we have fast food establishments that stay open 24 hours a day. So now people eat later and later and later. And research is coming out now, which is showing that the later somebody eats, it actually can disrupt these peripheral clocks we've talked about within the body that regulate a lot of these metabolic functions. So I always tell people, hey, if the sun is set and it's completely pitch dark outside and you're still hungry, maybe have a little snack, but don't eat a full meal because most of the time before we had all this electricity and light, people went to bed when the lights went out. Right, they weren't eating. Yeah. It's, it's intuitive, but now we have to call it intermittent fasting and now flip-flop the window where we're not eating during the day when we're most active, but then we eat all these calories at night. I've seen some people that save their eating window for the last four hours eight until 12 o'clock at midnight and they eat and eat and eat and eat, and eat for four hours straight and then they go to sleep and they do it all again the next day. And most of these people in four or five years are going to end up with a lot of issues long-term that they don't relate back to their lifestyle previously. So that's the thing. Like you always talk about how it seems like a lot of these things are pretty simple, but now we're having to get all this research confirmation mm-hmm. and we're having to call it something different when actually if people just ate, you know, three square meals a day, Book in pre-workout and post-workout with a little bit of nutrients. Go to bed at a halfway decent time. Don't binge watch Friends on Netflix for, you know, three hours every single night. Sure. You're probably covering a lot of different fronts, and we don't have to go deep down the rabbit hole. You know, we might tweak one or two things. You're good. Well, if you're rolling back to that ancestor thing, you know, 2,000 years ago, they probably slept when it was dark and ate when it was light, and they're, they're IF 14 hours a day, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, it's like they weren't. You talked about – um what was it? Autophagic cystosis? What'd you call that? Uh, Auto- apoptosis? Yeah, you, and, and there's a word people are using. That it's, it's auto... Autophagy? Yeah, pop, yeah that, that, that word. You see it everywhere. Um, because every time someone talks about fasting, they talk about that, right? They talk about the fact that we can kill bad cells through fasting. Um, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, got, I, got, I got... I'm going to take this... I got this. Here we go. What, 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 what I was going to say is this. I said, one of the things that sparked this conversation was I'm on Instagram, wasting my time at 11 o'clock at night on a blue screen when I should be sleeping. <laughs> and so, um, there's a fitness, there's a, there's a fashion blogger, 50, 60,000 followers. All of a sudden she's pumping in for information on intermittent fasting. And I'm like, and it has like, six like 60 comments and i'm just like all right this is the tipping point to where intermittent fasting has become the buzzword 
We now have people that have no clue about anything to do with nutrition, hashtagging, inter hashtagging intermittent fasting, IF, follow me for more info. And now they're, they're intermittent fasting experts, right? Hey, man, just give someone an Instagram account. They're an expert, bro. Sure. But well, um, they, they think the only point of intermittent fasting is just changing when you eat. They don't look at any other variables. So if it's that simple, it's the same as nutrition and macros. Oh, well, I know numbers. So now I'm a macros coach. Yeah. Congrats, bro. But that, that's not nutrition. Yeah, that's not. And we yeah. talk about that. Macros aren't, aren't education. Like, sure. Let's learn how to eat real food. Um, you know, I had a, um, a girl reach out to me that used to do uh, fitness composition competitions. And she's like, will you help me with some nutrition? And I said, yeah, you know, you probably know how to eat, know how to do that, know how to do all this. And she goes, actually, I don't. All my competitions, my coaches handed me a meal plan. Wow. And they said, eat this, 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 and this. And it was weekly. I never learned anything. I never learned how to do it. I just, when it said four ounces of sweet potato, four ounces of chicken, and a cup of broccoli, that's what I ate. Yeah. And I said, well, that's the difference between somebody knowing how to – you know, she's never been educated, but she could probably put a picture of herself up and say, you know, DM me for information on, on, on nutrition. And she'd probably get a hundred DMs. Yeah. You know, but that's she, the difference in a coach and a teacher. Sure. Sure. So, all right. So we got the basics idea of what intermittent fasting is. I think that's a, we have that, and then I have three benefits that I want. I've and I did my research based upon what I've already seen and all the shit that's out there all over the internet. Perfect. I've got three benefits, three three talking points I've seen with this conversation that I want to. Hey, is this legit or no or sometimes or why kind of thing, right? So, mm -hmm. does intermittent fasting aid in digestion? And what, and what I mean by that is, and this is like my dumb general pop understanding after watching tons of propaganda. So. Yeah, if, if if I'm telling you what I think I know about this, no, that's good because you're doing the same thing everybody else is right. doing. It's yeah. the, these are the calls that I make, Josh, tonight. Hey, bro. So, what do you think about? You know what I mean? Like this is this is what this is. So, based upon my crack research, I, I have uh, <laughs> I have possibly have an idea that if you do an intermittent fasting, and, and I'm talking for someone who has like me personally, I literally do not deviate from what Josh gives me. Like I. I come, if I come in low on my numbers, it's never protein. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's pretty dialed on clean food, all of it, sleep, I'm there. So does IF give your, your system a chance to have better digestion because you have such a break in eating? That's kind of like one of the benefits that I've personally been looking for because, you know, I, I, I'll go and do like sparring jujitsu in the mornings, like around 10 or 11 a.m. So for me, I'm like on on those days it's interesting for me to do you know last meal 8 p.m the night before and then go into a class at 10 30 11 a.m into 12 or so until i get home and eat and not eat prior because digestion's done because the last thing you want to do is is have digestion issues while you're sparring jujitsu that is a nightmare bro so <laughs> is that a any kind of real benefit or like and not just for that situation but I've been sold that it, it helps your body rest, bro, and, and get to, to your body just to digest, not to just follow it with food at all times. Like, sure. Something like that. So that's kind of where I'm at. What do you think? What do you guys think? Josh, you want it? Or do you want me no, to take it? Because that's actually complex. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I 
it's, it's pretty contextual because if we think about the conversation we just had regarding when you eat relative to your sleep, you're going to be getting a large break in digestion. But if we also think about this in terms of somebody who eats three square meals a day, seven, 12, and five, we're going to have roughly a four to five hour gap in between both those meals. So if we summate the gaps between those meals and the gap that we have from sleep as well, it's going to roughly equate to the same amount of time as you would with intermittent fasting. The issue can be with intermittent fasting, as we talked about cortisol before, cortisol is good because it helps drive the stress response, which is what we need for adaptation. But in the long term, if that stress response stays nice and high, what happens is um, your GI tract, all the blood gets shunted away to the working muscle. And so this naturally happens when you start to work out. And this is good because then all of the blood within your system gets pushed to those muscles, which need delivery of oxygen, removal of byproducts and delivery of nutrients. But this will essentially shut down digestion entirely. So naturally during the course of the night, we get something called peristalsis, which is rhythmic contraction of your intestines, which moves food along and then digest it. If we are constantly running that stress response, peristalsis is in the tube. It's not happening. Mm. And if cortisol is always nice and high, that will also shut down digestion and will mm. slow digestion because we have shifted out of parasympathetic entirely into sympathetic. So it will give your digestive system a break because there is no food actively coming in. But the thing to remember is that your digestive system is very good at, we'll call it detoxifying, just eliminating and removing those compounds um, and those fibers that you can't digest and then pushing them out of your body. This is good and this is important. Mm -hmm. Peristalsis gets stimulated anytime we eat. So if you're not eating and peristalsis isn't happening, and you're somebody who's already chronically stressed out, more sympathetic dominant, high cortisol, you might be borderline constipation. And so again, as we talked about in our last podcast on sleep, if somebody wants to figure this out, you can take one tablespoon of sesame seeds, don't chew them, just swallow them in a glass of water, see how long it takes to get through your system. If you're pushing maybe 72 hours, three days, something like that, you might be a little constipated. Again, when you swallow the seeds, it's not to say that they're just going to sit in your stomach for three days. They're slowly going to work their way through your digestive system. But as a general rule of thumb, somebody should be moving their digestive system about once every 24 hours. Mm. Twice is fine too, especially if you're eating more food. Some people even get peristalsis and the movement of their GI system with every single meal. That's perfectly normal. But if you are, again, pushing that window back further and further and further, you may be shifting what's called your autonomic tone, which is basically the difference in your sympathetic and parasympathetic systems. And you might be shifting it entirely to sympathetic when in actuality, we might be want to be hovering in between when we're trying to be productive in, at work. But when we're eating, we want to be totally parasympathetic. Similarly, when we're training, we want to be totally sympathetic. So we have to be careful in that if we assume that automatically digestion will improve because of this fasting it can, and don't get me wrong, I've seen some interesting research on um, the immune system and almost quote unquote resetting the immune system after a 72 hour fast because of this autophagy as well as the GI um, benefits. So how can somebody know if it's a good choice for them? One, if your sleep isn't too disrupted, if you're sleeping all right right now, eight hours, fairly moderate to decent sleep, you don't wake up a whole ton through the night, you're not waking up multiple times to use the restroom, that's a pretty big giveaway that you're pretty sympathetic dominant. Um, if your blood pressure's within range, I would say normal, less than 120 over 80, you're not pre-hypertensive, 130 over 90, anything like that where you're borderline, 
your body's just running a little hotter than normal, so to speak, um, that would be an issue where you might want to avoid intermittent fasting. So can you get digestive benefits? Sure. And somebody may want to play around with that depending upon their GI tract. But if you're a slow starter in the morning, if you're somebody who heavily relies on caffeine to get going, um, if you've had adrenal issues or autonomic issues in the past, if you've got any sort of uh, constipation or if somebody is familiar with, with um, the vagus nerve or vagal tone, which is just basically that autonomic tone that we talked about, um, sometimes people will have issues with stimulating their vagus nerve and getting more parasympathetic. If any of those things are you, you've ever had an issue and talked to your doctor about this, intermittent fasting is probably not the way that you want to go. So any not symptoms of high stress? Yeah, at least not routinely. Yeah. Okay. And I should say that this is just a conversation about intermittent fasting. So this is fasting on a daily basis. This mm -hmm. is not a conversation about singular fast once a month or once every two weeks, where those actually can have a little bit more um, of a benefit and be less stress on the system. You just blew Ray's mind because we just had this conversation yesterday. Ray's smiling right now. I can see it. <laughs> we're going to get into that on the next episode. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, We're getting into that. So we're getting into that soon. But I, I guess, yeah, okay. So this is only about fasting on a daily basis, which will drive that stress response, not on a singular 24-hour fast, which could, in context, be good for somebody who is, you know, super sedentary, always uh, responds to the need for food, doesn't really understand the difference between psychological hunger and physiological hunger, aka they just feel hungry versus when they actually need food for their body. That's very important to be able to differentiate those craving two. versus hunger? Is there a difference between cravings versus hunger? Uh, well, both, both could be a, a symptom of hunger, but typically hunger is when food has moved out of your stomach and into your GI tract. 